All right, it's my great joy to welcome you this morning. My name is Josh Houston. I'm one of the pastors here at City Reach LA. Yes, a lot of screaming today. That's good. Mm, That's good. We are working our way through this September series called In Blank We Trust. Sure, we trust God, but we're also particularly skilled at trusting wealth as well. So we're talking money this month because how we use money is an expression of our character. It's an expression of what truly matters to us. So we're delving into our relationships with wealth and seeing what Jesus has to say about it. Three weeks ago, I spoke on this word, this ancient word, mammon. Two weeks ago, I walked us through what the Bible says about tithing and giving. Last week, I talked about how we can make financial impacts beyond our church. I encourage you to catch up on the podcast or Facebook Live. Go back if you missed any of it. Today, I'm going to preach a message entitled, Wise Money Management. Now, you may wonder why. Why take time on a Sunday morning when you would preach a message to give financial advice? The reason is because it's needed. You see, the American church tends to focus on informing people that they need to give, maybe even why they need to give, but where we're falling short is teaching people how to take care of our finances. Not just that we give, not just why we give, but how to steward our wealth so that we can, in fact, give So I made the case this month that scripturally, if you want to follow Jesus, radical generosity is commanded of us. And I'll give many Christians the benefit of the doubt. We're good people, generally. Full of flaw, but we're good people who actually want to be generous, many of us, actually want to sacrifice and be sacrificial with our wealth. However, my experience with the church, not just our church, but the church, it's shown me that many Christians want to be financially generous but feel like they don't have a lot of financial margin to be generous. I would give more if I had more, but my my finances are so tight every month. Anybody relate to that? Me too. However, I believe many Christians could be more generous with their wealth if they were wiser with their wealth. One of the, the many facets of pastoring for me includes finances. I love to help people get their finances in order Um, to be more intentional, to to take better care of, to steward, to manage the wealth that God has given us and placed in our hands. And I've sat with so many people to look over their current financial reality, their current financial situation, and to to offer some suggestions toward financial health, moving towards financial health. By the way, if you need someone to do that with you, I would love to. I just love sitting down with helping that. But here's the thing I find. Often, people don't realize how much they're wasting. They don't realize that it's possible to save, that it's possible to cut back and tweak priorities in unique and practical ways, that it's possible to make small changes that add up and that gives them extra margin to be generous. The deep question we need to ask is, do we actually want to be generous? Because if we, if it's, it's easy to be sloppy with our wealth. It's easy to be messy. It's easy to to be careless with our finances and then convince ourselves we don't have the margin to be generous. When in reality, for many people, not all, but for many people, the real culprit may simply be our foolishness or our irresponsibility regarding our finances. So this is what I really wanted to, to get at this morning. It's difficult to be radically generous while also unwisely managing our money. It's difficult to be radically generous while also unwisely managing our money. Or we can come at it from a different angle, kind of an inverse angle, which is managing your money wisely offers you more margin to be radically generous. Does that make sense? 
If we're better with our money, if we're more responsible with our money, it offers us more margin to be generous with that money. The reality is for most of us, there are ways we can cut back. There are ways we can spend wiser that will enable us to be more generous with our finances. So this is what I want to do today. I want to pull on three threads. How to be smart with your money, how not to be dumb with your money, and how to be generous with your money. Now for some of you, what I'm going to offer this morning may seem basic, it may seem fundamental, elementary even. The truth is, though, most people have never been taught how to steward their wealth. Many parents don't teach this. Most schools don't teach this. Many people have never been provided a basic, fundamental, foundational framework, elementary framework for managing wealth. So maybe what you're already doing is far past what I'm going to recommend today. That's awesome. But maybe you can take one or two of these principles and implement them to help set you up just a little bit more to be radically generous with your finances that God has placed in your hands. So to start, I want to look at some of Jesus's thoughts on wealth because I don't I don't want this to just be a financial class. I actually think Jesus has some thoughts about this too. Because if you didn't know, money was and is incredibly important to Jesus. He talked about money more than he did about love or praying. He talked about money more than he did about heaven and hell combined. In fact, the only thing he talked more about than money was the kingdom of heaven. What? He talked more about money than our character and our belief, and our love, and our prayer, yes. The reason is because he realized how much money affects our character, and our beliefs, and our love, and our prayer. Jesus knew this, that, that, that money has this potent effect on us, that either money will be enslaved by us, or it will enslave us. He knew this. So for Jesus, if we don't have our approach to money in check, in check, we don't have a healthy relationship with our finances, we're going to mess up a lot of other stuff too. Because our lives are far more integrated than we actually think they are. It's spaghetti. It's not Belgian waffles. It's spaghetti. It's all in. What you do with your possessions affects how you sing songs to God. The media that you allow into your eyes and your ears, it affects the way you pray. The way you approach your finances affects how you talk to your coworkers. Like, it's all related. It's all tied together. And I believe Satan and his kingdom understand this. So they would love to convince you that what you do with your money matters very little. But what I hope to communicate this morning is that what you do with your money, as, as much or as little as that is, it matters very much. In the Gospels, we see Jesus teach with parables, these stories, these confounding, confusing stories that were meant to like instigate people to make a decision, to make a move. And one of these ones is found in Matthew 25. It's, we call it the parable of the talents or the, or the bags of gold. And it goes like this. A man went on a journey, and he entrusted some of his wealth to his servants that were staying behind. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags of gold. To another, he gave one bag of gold. And the guy with five bags put his gold to work and he gained five more bags. The guy with two bags put his gold to work, and he gained two more bags. But the guy with one bag dug a hole, and he buried his master's gold. And after some time, the master returned to check in on how his servants managed his gold. He saw that the first guy with five bags turned it into ten, and he praised him. He said, well done. You're good, and you're a faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to give you more to take care of. He looked at the second guy that he gave two, and he turned them into four bags of gold. He praised him. Well done. You're good. You're a faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to give you more. And then he looked at the man that he gave one bag of gold. 
And that man said, he said, I, I know that you're a hardworking master, but I was afraid, so I buried your gold. Here's the bag of gold you gave me. And the master became angry. He said, you're a wicked and you're a lazy servant. You should have at least given it to the bankers to earn interest. So he took that one bag of gold and he gave it to the guy with 10. Now you hear this, you're like, wow, like there's a lot, there's a lot here. And I, I could spend the rest of the time talking this morning on this passage. And I, what I really want to do, though, is allow like the fundamental principle that's, that's, that's moving this thing forward, guide the conversation this morning. And that underlying standard here being stewardship. The principle of stewardship, which in my mind essentially means your money is not your money. Now, opinions differ on this, but mine is we own nothing. Scripturally, holistically through, we see God express, I didn't give you all of this. I asked you to take care of all of this. What you own is not yours. God wants to know if you can be trustworthy, if you can be faithful with what he's placed in your hands to see if you can be entrusted with more. Because frankly, why should God give you more if you won't wisely use what he's already given you? Why should God give you all the money that you wished you had if you're a mess with your finances right now? People say, I'll be more disciplined when I get there. No, you won't. If you think it's difficult now, if you think it's difficult to manage your wealth now, the little that it is, it'll be much more difficult when you wish you had all the money or you have all the money that you wish you did. So we got to figure it out now. This is stewardship. This is, and this is what Jesus invites his followers into. And it's crucial that we get this because stewardship provides the framework for our money. When we talk about money, it sits inside this principle. And remember, stewarding wisely what God has placed in our hands, it sets us up to be able to be more generous. It, it allows us to move with our heart. I want to be a generous person, but I don't have as much. Well, if we figure out how to be a good steward, I will actually be able to walk into this. So how I'm going to work through this today is offer some recommendations or some suggestions or some tips for stewarding our finances well. Suggestions for how to be smart, how not to be dumb, and how to be generous with our money. So take notes if you would like because I'm going to move through it quickly. Um, so let's start with be smart. First, operate on a budget. Operate on a budget. For some reason, this is complicated for a lot of people. Don't hope you remember to pay all your bills this month. Don't hope you have enough money to pay your bills this month. That's a, it's, it's really irresponsible. Set a budget and operate on it. And if you don't know how, this is what it looks like. It's really simply this. Make a list of all your income and make a list of all your monthly bills, the amounts and when they're due. And then, and then this is the crazy part. Don't spend beyond your income. <laughs> It sounds ridiculous to say it, but many people have never been told this. How much do you make in a month? How much do you spend in a month? The second number needs to be smaller than the first number. It's that simple, right? It sounds elementary, and it is, but you'd be surprised by how many people spend more than they bring in each, bring in each month, and then they wonder why they're in financial trouble. Know how much you make. Know how much you spend. Don't spend more than you make. And to help out, try out a spending diary. Try out a spending diary. If you don't know how much you spend in a given month, try out a spending diary. And this is, this is essentially how it works. I don't know if you've ever done one before. You literally write down every time you spend money exactly how much it is. This helps you stay on budget. I actually do this with an, on a document on my computer. Every single penny we spend, I know where it's going. And I've, I have it listed every single month. I can go back to 2014 and tell you how much money I spent in March. 
The reason is because when you see what you're spending, you see what you're spending. People just go for it. Like, that's what credit cards are easy, right? Debit cards are easy. I don't realize how much I'm actually spending. So when you make a, a budget and then you stick to it and you track this on a, on a, on a log, you're like, Wow, I spent a lot right there. And I use Mint, Mint.com. I can get you plugged in on that if you want. The app is okay. Online is really awesome. But it ca you can categorize where all of your spending goes, like literally all of it, where it goes. So I could tell you in, Mar in March of 2014 how much I spent on gas. I could tell you how much I spent on gas in 2014. It's really cool. So like, this is what a spending log does. This is what a, like, to track everything that you do because it helps set you up to be on, on task with that. So many people don't realize how much money they're spending in certain areas. I've sat with a lot of people. Food is a big one. I've sat with people that are like, how much are you spending on food? Oh, probably like two, two fifty a month. And then we plug it into Mint, and they're like, I spent 650 bucks on food last month? I just didn't realize it. Because if you write it down and you see it all, you're like, wow, that's where all my money's going. So it's a matter of like seeing where it's actually going. It's virtually impossible to manage your money wisely if you don't actually know where it's going. So try out a spending diary. Another one, limit how often you eat out. Limit how often you eat out. This is one of the biggest expenses in the Western diet, in the Western budget, sorry. Do you know how much money you spend on eating out monthly? Not groceries, fast food and restaurants. And again, I get it. We, we love, gosh, we love it because it's good. Some people just suck at cooking. So they're like, I want someone else to cook food for me because it's good and it's convenient. And having someone prepare food for, you, for me makes me feel important and it makes me feel powerful, right? As simple as it is, even if it's Taco Bell, right? Yeah, I'd like one of your uh, Chipotle triple double crunch wraps. You know, give me two of those. Right? Like, I feel important. I feel, like, powerful right now. I'm going to make an order, and someone's going to follow that order. I'm the king at Taco Bell. <laughs> but we spend so much money on food in America. If you're looking to cut back, buy groceries, prepare meals for yourself. You will save money each month. Another one, make a plan to get out of debt. Be smart. Make a plan to get out of debt. And note, this is wildly different from hoping you get out of debt. Make a plan. Just because the majority of people in America have debt does not make it normal. Debt is common, but it is not normal. And people stuck in debt usually struggle with two things. They don't have a plan, and they're not consistent with their money. So make a plan. How are you going to get out of this? How much money can you actually afford to put towards that debt every single month? Well, I don't have the extra income to put towards my debt. That's because you're spending 450 bucks a month at restaurants. It's about priority. If you have debt, you need to sacrifice other things so you can pay it off as fast as you can because you're wasting money on interest. Make a plan. Be consistent with it every single month. And for added motivation I, on the debt thing, I like, I like to encourage people to put that number up somewhere so you can see it regularly and to put up the number of how much you paid off. So you're tracking this thing. Because like as human beings, we, we like to see that we're making progress. You know, right? So if you're, if you're tracking that number and the progress that you've made, too, on paying it off, it just it, it gives me added motivation because debt feels like this hole that you get into that you just can't get out. I don't know how to get out of this thing. So you've got to make a plan. Lastly, in the section on being smart, put money into savings every month. Put money into savings every month. Financial coaches will tell you you should save have in savings between three to six months worth of, of budget to be able to work off of. If you just lost your job today, then you should have three to six months worth sitting in an account for you. Too many people don't have an emergency savings account. 
your radiator blows up, you got a crazy medical bill, your dog gets sick, or you get fired, you can't find a new job for a few months, or in LA, right, freelance work. So many people have like awesome work for six months and then like I gotta hope I have enough until I get the next job. You might think, how the heck am I gonna save for three to six months worth of pay? The answer, one investment into that savings account at a time. It's simple, it's not easy, but it's simple. Again, you have to choose what you sacrifice. So what we do is we live off of less than what we make and we put some away every single month. We're not good at that. We're not, li- we're not good at living off of less than what we make. We like to push it all the way and then even more. Pull it back, learn to live off a little bit less, put some into the savings account. There's just a few suggestions here on being smart with your money and then the inverse approach. Don't be dumb with your money because being smart with your money and not being dumb with your money are very different. So first one here is pay your bills on time. Pay your bills on time. We all have bills. We all have monthly bills. We all have expenses that we know are coming on a specific date. So pay them on time. People waste money on late fees and penalties, and it's just plain bad stewardship. Don't pay extra because you're lazy. Don't pay extra because you don't like structure. Make a list of your bills and when they're due and pay them off before they're due. Another one, keep an eye on your account balances. Keep an eye on your account balances. Just, be, just take a, ke- a peek a couple times a month at what you got. Because if you see that you only have $29 in your account, you might be less likely to go see Wicked at the Pantages in November. Hopefully. <laughs> Some people, maybe not, I don't know. If you regularly are keeping an eye on your account, you have a better shot at being more responsible with the money that's in that account. That makes sense? Another one, resist peer pressure spending. This is a big one. Resist peer pressure spending. Don't let your friends determine how you spend money. I felt it before. You know, friends are going out. They're going to do something. You're like, oh, I don't have it, but I'm just going to do it. The crew's going to see Wicked at the Pantages in November. (laughs) Awesome. How much money is in your account? $29? Don't go. (laughs) It's dumb. And I get it. Like, I seriously, I've had seasons, like extended seasons, where I didn't have a lot of financial margin. Shoot, I mean, this, this season right now, our family doesn't have a lot of financial margin. For us, splurging is we go on coffee dates on Saturday, and we're going to get almond milk. Boo! <laughs> it sucks. But to come back to stewardship, this is not yours. God's saying take care of it. Be responsible with what I've put into your hands, no matter what else everybody else is doing with their money, or whatever they're not doing with their money, right? Don't let peer pressure determine how you set your budget. And then this is another big one. Distinguish between wants and needs. Distinguish between wants and needs. Once again, this is about priority. So we're looking at what actually needs to be on the list. Where does your money have to go? In general, humans beings, humans suck at this, at distinguishing between wants and needs. Most of the time, we don't even know what we need. You need food regularly. You don't need Cheesecake Factory regularly. You need clothes you don't need neighboring clothes. You need to pay your student loans. You don't need cable. You with me? And I'm not demonizing spending money on ourselves. What I'm suggesting is not to let your wants prioritize your budget. If you need to cut back each month, determine where you're spending on wants and pull back on that spot right there. And then lastly for this section, be cautious with credit cards. Please be cautious with credit cards. People get into such trouble here. The 2017 average 
for American households with credit card debt was $15,000. It's such a devious system. It invites us. You, you see something you like, purchase it on credit, pay the minimum. Monthly, the, month, the minimum monthly payment, it's fine, it's cool. Just pay 35 bucks a month for that vacation or that shopping spree. Enjoyment for the moment, but eventually where does it leave you? Feeling like you're in a hole you'll never get out. Did you know that a credit card with $2,000 on it charged to it? You pay the minimum monthly payment, it'll take you 30 years to pay that off. And over that 30-year period, you'll pay $5,000 on interest. Now, I understand emergencies happen, right? I get it. Sometimes it appears that there is no other way to pay for something that just pops up, which, again, this is kind of what the saving monthly for, these emergency accounts, so I don't have to stick something on credit. But sometimes emergencies happen. But here's the thing. The credit card industry is banking on, they are exploiting our emergencies and our greed. They're trying to take advantage of it. The system is set up so you lose. It's brilliant. They're brilliant. They're ruthless, but they are brilliant. And I'm not arguing for, for not touching credit cards. This isn't, this isn't about credit cards. This is about self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, by the way. Please be cautious with credit cards. I'll tell you what we do with credit cards. I have a Capital One Venture card, and I put every single dollar that we spend on that credit card every single month, and I pay it off multiple times a month. Here's why. We're going to Italy next month on Capital One. <laughs> We've been, saving for th- we've been saving points for three years, and they are covering my hotel and Airbnb and the air, and the air flight, like the flight. It's like 95% of that vacation is paid for by Capital One. So I kind of think of a credit card as like a debit card. If you don't have the money, you don't spend the money, and you pay it off multiple times a month. I say approach the system that's trying to exploit my greed and my ignorance and make them pay for my vacation, Right? <laughs> So when it comes to credit cards, be very cautious because they, they know how to exploit us. They're so good at it. So I, just, I don't want to just encourage you to be smart with your money, and I don't want to just encourage you to not be dumb with your money. I pray that you'll be able to move into generosity and learn into generosity. So a few suggestions for how to be generous with money. First is give consistently to your local church. Wherever you call home, and I don't care if it's here, if this is not your, your church home, awesome. Give consistently to the local church that you call home to empower their local and their global mission. If you missed my sermon two weeks ago on tithe, I seriously encourage you to go back and listen to it. I offered a generosity challenge here that I challenged everyone in our church to spend some time with God, to ask him to place a dollar amount on your heart, and to give here consistently that amount for two months. And then if you want your money back at the end of that two months, I will gladly write you a check. I believe in radical generosity that much. I believe in supporting the local church that much that I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. So if you call this place home, I challenge you to give consistently here for two months. Observe how God is showing up in your life. And if you can't tell a difference at the end of the two months, I'll write you a reimbursement check myself. And this is not the prosperity gospel. This is not about manipulating God to give us comfortable lives. This is about opening our palms to allow God to use us to change the world. And some people tithe, and that's great, 10%. Amanda and I do this. Every time we get any income, the first thing we do is put 10% right back to our church every single month. Some people do more. Some people do less. Great. Paul instructs in the New Testament, decide on your heart what you can give. Cheerfully give that. Do it cheerfully. Do it with a good heart, not because you should, not because you feel pressured to, because I want to learn into generosity. 
And if you can't start with a number like 10%, that's fine. But start somewhere. Start with 5%. Shoot, start with 1% and grow it monthly until you get to whatever number you want to be at. Start somewhere because every local church needs financial partners pushing forward the local and the global mission that they're a part of. Another one, give beyond your local church. Don't just give to our church. <laughs> Take your generosity outside these walls, please. This is not just about building something here. This is about us doing good in a city and beyond our city. I've heard this mentality from many Christians. If I made more, I would be more responsible with my finances. If I made more, I would give a lot more. The thing is, people don't. People are incredibly skilled at finding new and creative ways to spend their money. <laughs> You'd think, as income goes up, people would save more. That people would bless others more. In general, it's just not true. It's, it's, like, it's a fundamental flaw in paradigm. Typically, as income goes up, spending goes up. As people make more, they figure out more creative ways to spend more. I love this, though. John Wesley said, make as much as you can so you can save as much as you can so you can give as much as you can. The, the money is not the problem. <laughs> make as much as you can so you can save as much as you can so you can give as much as you can. And this idea has challenged me, and it's changed the way I approach money. It's about being faithful with what God has entrusted into your hands. Jesus wants to use us to bless beyond us. Last Sunday, I invited our church into a Beyond Us initiative to raise funds for ministries beyond our church family. We've got a few of these left. Does anybody not get one of these? These are uh, the, the ministries that we're going to be supporting. Um, so starting last Sunday through the end of the year, we're shooting to raise $20,000 for local and global initiatives. And this card has all the details. I'd love to talk with you about this. Nick can talk with you about it as well including where the money is going. And I encourage you to listen to last week's message if you missed it, because I really want you to hear. We're going to support these ministries. We're going to do good far beyond the walls of our church here. I'd be happy to talk with it, with you about it. Um, you know, I was thinking this week, some of the wealthiest people I know are some of the biggest givers that I know. And the ones I've talked to, they've told me this. I didn't choose to, or that, Choosing to be a giver happened before they got there. They believed that being a generous person was what got them there. That's what they told me. It wasn't that when I arrived in wealth, I figured out how to be a generous person. The ones that I've talked to that are serious givers are like, I believe giving is what got me here. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For the measure you use in giving, it will be measured back to you. And like I said last week, this isn't give a bunch of money and you get a bunch of money back. It's not that. What we're talking about here is how not to remain victim to our wealth. What we're talking about here is how to move beyond a stingy life into a generous life. We're talking about allowing God to use us to impact the lives of people around us through our finances. So resolve in your heart and your will to become and to remain generous, not just in our church, but beyond our church as well. And then lastly for this one is, is financial worship. Financial worship. The American church, it's a lot of, a lot of emergencies this morning. Gotta pray for wherever they're going. Give them wisdom. Financial worship. The American church tends to pigeonhole worship to singing songs on a Sunday morning. 
You guys ever notice that? Like we use the term worship leader or when you say like, what it, like right now we're in worship and it, it's pigeonholed often into singing songs, which I get it's a way of just kind of framing what we're doing. The problem is worship carries a much larger context than singing songs. It has far more range than that. Worship is not just singing songs. It's a way that you live your life, which means that what you do with your money is or is not your worship. Worship includes how you drive. <laughs> worship includes how you respond to emails. Worship includes how we take care of our bodies. And it includes how you manage your money. And what I've experienced when we're viewing our relationship with our finances, like our relationship with our wealth as worship, we're far more likely to be generous with what God has put in our hands. Like life is worship. I show up and I say, God, every piece that we're doing today, every thought, every action, every behavior, every conversation, I want that to be worship. And again, we're framing this all inside stewardship. I want to be able to take care of what you've put in my hands. If I believe what I do with my money is worship, I'm far more likely to be like Jesus with my finances. I'm far more likely to lean into a heart that says, God, I want to worship with you even with this stuff. I want to invite Jackie and Sarah back up. They're going to lead us in some song, some worship, some song. We're not going to start worshiping. We're going to continue worshiping. (laughs) Bringing it back around. Managing your money wisely offers you more margin to be radically generous. So if we want to be a radically generous community, we got to ask ourselves, how are we managing our money? And like anything else in life, if you want to be successful, it takes intentionality. You want to be successful with your finances, you want to be trustworthy with more, it has to be an intentional move. Success happens on purpose. If you talk to wildly successful people, they're not like, I don't know how I got here. That's luck. If you don't know how you got into success, it's luck. Successful people can be like, yeah, I did this, 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 this. And sure, God did some stuff too, of course. And sure, there might have been like some series of movements I wasn't in charge of, but like, you don't ask a pro in any sport, how did you wind up as a pro? They're like, I don't know. I just <laughs> threw a ball and it happened. I mean, right? It's not what happens in anything in life. If you want to be successful, it has to take intention. It has to be planned. It's purposeful. And maybe you feel like you don't have a plan with your finances. Maybe you feel like you're completely lost regarding your finances and you're hoping to figure it out. Please hear this. Finances are too big a deal to hope you figure it out. You have to have a plan. We gotta be disciplined. So let someone help you. And if you don't like, if you like doing stuff on your own, if you don't like someone else assisting you, there's a ton of resources out there that you could just pick up and read yourself and get better at yourself. I'd love to point you in some of those directions. If you've never heard of it, Financial Peace University, they got some good stuff too. But please, don't just hope you end up managing your wealth wisely. Make a decision to manage your money wisely. Because a community like ours that's committed to stewarding our money wisely, committed to worshiping God with the management of our money, we can make profound impacts in each other's lives, in in our city, far beyond our city. I believe that. It just comes down to if we want to. And if we want to, we got to do it on purpose. So may we become 
a radically generous church. You with me? Would you pray with me? God, thank you for our community. And I thank you for the wealth that you've placed in our hands. God, not that we can just splurge on self and accumulate more and feed our greed, but God, that we can partner with you in the redemption of your love, of your loved world. God, this world that you have created and you're renewing, that you're speaking life and breath and hope into. God, we want to join you in that work. And I realize, Lord, that that includes our finances, it includes our money. So even in this moment, God, come back to our hearts and say we want to please you we want your will to be done in our lives your kingdom come in our finances as it is in heaven Lord. I pray that you use us give us give us the courage to be responsive to what you're doing in our hearts in this moment I ask this all in faith in your name Jesus amen